Start off with, um, we say it's good to, it, it feels good to be bad because there's certain actions that we do and our actions at the moment make us feel okay. But just because they make you feel okay at the moment, it doesn't mean you're not going to pay a high price on them. See, I want to read this one verse to you, and we're doing this in a biblical parallelism. We're taking three different portions of the Bible, and we're setting up on screen for you, and we're showing you all the desires of the flesh. And on the desires of the flesh in the book of Galatians, you look at them, and as they pop up, I want you to look at them on screen, and I want you to think about them. I want you to think about which one may be one that you believe you practice, or maybe one that you believe you have lived. Now, I want to take you to the book of Psalms, and in the book of Psalms, chapter 42, verse 3, then I'm going to take you to Romans, I'm going to take you to Galatians, and I'm going to compare these portions from an Old Testament to a New Testament and show you how relevant it stayed all the time. And I want to teach you something. Today, the title of my sermon is called The Price of a Flesh Hit. The Price of a Flesh Hit. There are, there's a really high price you're going to pay, and I'm going to pay, when we take a flesh hit. When you look at the flesh and you, you obey one of the desires of the flesh of either one of these things that are on here, you automatically will pay a price with that flesh hit. And I want you to think about that for a second. See, King David, in the book of Psalm, chapter 42, verse 3, he says the following. He says, my tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Now, I want you to think about somebody actually telling you that. We read it, and it just, we, 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 we like overview it. But I want you to think about that for a second. If somebody came up to you and said, hey, my tears have been my food day and night, what they're really saying is what? I haven't stopped crying. They're saying, man, I wake up and I'm crying. I go to sleep and I'm crying. What he's saying, I can't even eat. He's saying, I can't even eat, guys. Sadness has overtaken me. Somebody who would say this to you and to me, we would feel they're clinically depressed. David's saying, I can't breathe. I can't go on. I'm crying day. And I, and I don't know, I, maybe you're not there now, but have you ever been there? Have you ever been to that point that you just can't sleep, that you toss or you turn? Come on, be real with me, people. Have you ever been there? Have you ever gone through a life experience that you just completely drained out? Have you ever been through that situation like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this? David was feeling that way, but here's the price. He says, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Now, David had committed a sin. David had committed a sin. And after he committed this sin, David says in the first part of this, which is what we studied last week in 42.1, David says, David says, my soul pants like a deer, like a deer pants for water, so does my soul pant for you. He's saying, I'm thirsty for you. So David's saying, God, I have an absence of you. See, I am thirsty for water when I haven't drank water. When I drank plenty of water, I'm not thirsty for water. So David had had an absence of God. And in the absence of God, David knew that God was far from him. And feeling that God was far from him, he starts saying, my soul needs you, God. I'm thirsty for you. And then immediately after, he says, he says, immediately after, he turns to that verse we were just studying in verse 3. And in that verse 3, he turns over. And what he's saying now is, my tears have been my food day and night. What he says now, he says, my tears have been my food. He's saying, God, I've been away from you, and now I can't stop crying. And people are asking me, where's your God? He started paying a price for the sin he had committed. And it was ultimate sadness. There was a void inside of him. So the satisfaction that sin gave him at the moment didn't pay off. 
At the moment, it was joyful. Some say that this was his reaction after committing adultery. Some say this was his reaction right after he was with a woman that he wasn't supposed. Now, there's a man that loved God. There's a man that could worship. There's a man that could praise. But he had sinned. And now sin was taking a toll on him. Now he was saddened. See, at the moment, it feels good to be bad. But have you ever thought about the price you're going to pay afterwards? Now he's paying a price and he's crying. And, and here's the biggest of all. He's saying, he's saying, people are looking at me and saying, hey, where's your God? He was no longer the reflection of God. He couldn't see God. But check this out. People around him couldn't see God either. And he started paying a price for it because this is the same guy that loved God and felt God. But now for some reason, have you now here's a here's a funny part about this. You're all listening to this and you could all relate to it to some point of your life. But can you relate it to simple things? Can you relate it to yesterday when you got mad? You know, there's a there's a psychological um, evaluation of the University of California in the in the specifically to the school of psychology. And they've proven that that when a person gets angry, four things tend to happen when you really, really get angry. One of them is that um, you start breathing heavily. Another one is that um, you, you, you don't just start breathing heavily, but it says that your muscles get tense. You tense up your muscles. So when you're angry at somebody, your muscles get tensed up. And when your muscles get tensed up and you start breathing heavily, it automatically shoots your blood pressure. And then it starts, then your body starts producing something called serotonin. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not a a doctor here, but, but I'm just trying to prove a point. It starts producing it in, in, in uncontrollable levels. And then the production of the serotonin in, in in uncontrollable levels starts making your body go whack. And here's what happens. Since your body's not used to that, if it does it enough and it keeps on repeating, here's what happens to you. If it does it enough and it keeps on repeating, your body starts not recognizing what status it should be in. And then automatically, you start shooting that serotonin in your body. If you start, if you get angry all of a sudden and it shoots it up and then you're going and then you're going and you're all mad and then you calm down and you're tense and you release and you're, then the next day, oh, you get mad and then you're going here. Eventually, what starts happening is that your body starts getting uncontrolled and in an uncontrolled atmosphere, psychological of your body will cause you to shoot it when you're not supposed to so then for some reason for no reason at all you're just standing somewhere and you're all of a sudden upset or you're all of a sudden sad you're like well, what's happening to me what's happening to me i remember going through that about a, a year ago I, 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 february 2016 i went through his phase i had to start picking up books of anger because i was angry all the time and i didn't know why but i was angry all the time I was just mad at everybody. And then when I wasn't ultimately mad, I was ultimately sad. It went both ways. And it was uncontrollable. That's how depression starts. So, so, so what happens is your anger at the moment might seem that it, your anger at the moment might seem that it pays off a price. But down the long run, it's really going to pay a high price, but not a good one. And I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about that. David said, my Tears have been my food day and night while people say to me, where's your God? Now, now I want you to, I'm going to do something now for a couple of minutes. And I need everybody to follow me on this one because I may lose you, but then I'll apply it so you can catch up to me. Okay. And I'm not going to put these Bible verses up if, for those jotting down notes. Um, in the book of first of Corinthians chapter seven, verse 23, the Bible says that we were bought, brought for a price. All right. We were brought for what? Price. We were brought for what? Price. 
The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, that we are redeemed. And to be redeemed means that something was paid for you, right? Now, follow me. Follow me here. I'm going to try to I'm gonna try to get God gave this to me just a little while before I came in. I was redeemed. So if I was redeemed and a price was paid for me and I was bought, what was I bought from? I want you to think about that for a second. See, if I go to the store and I buy a, a, a soda, I buy a can, a Coke, right? And when I buy it, I'm buying a product and I'm redeeming the price of the product and it's coming from somewhere or something. It belonged to something prior to it being mine because I had not paid a price. If it were mine, I wouldn't have to pay a price for it. So when the Bible says you were redeemed and it says you were paid for, I want you to think about that for a second. That means you belong to something prior to it being of the person who bought it. So that means when Jesus paid the price and redeemed us at the cross of Calvary, it means that you were not his. Now, if you were not his, the question is, who did you belong to? Now, I want you to think about this. The Bible says he redeemed us from our sins. So what you belong to before Christ paid the price was to sin. Pastor, what are you saying? Sin owned you. Now, sin owns you. And Christ comes and pays a price for you. But if you go back to the Garden of Eden, <laughs> follow me. I know this sounds crazy, but I promise I have a purpose with this. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, when God put us in the Garden of Eden, he created us. He created us for eternal life. And he put us in the Garden of Eden. Who did we belong to in the Garden? We belong to God. So if we belong to God and God created us, why the heck is God paying a price for something that's his? I'll tell you why. Because in the process, we were sold to sin through Satan. So what I'm saying is that we belong to God, but we became slaves of sin. And now we no longer belong to God, but we belong to sin. And we couldn't overcome that sin. So God sends his son at the cross of Calvary to die for us and redeem us from that sin. And now he's redeemed us from the sin. But check this out. When he redeems us from the sin, now I no longer belong to the sin. I belong to God. But here's the conflict. Until he comes, I reside in this body, which is sinful. Where are you going with all this, Pastor? What I'm saying is that sin has a very high price. It has a value to it. Sin has a value to it. And I, I mean, no preacher would ever say that. Some of you are looking at me right now and saying, I don't get it. Sin has a value. If not, you would not desire it. Here, let me, make it, let me break that down to you. Why do we desire the things that are prohibited? Anybody ever go on a diet here? Anybody ever go on a diet? When you go on a diet, isn't that when you're hungry the most? You know when fornication is most attractive? You know when adultery is most attractive? It has a value to it. And that's why it feels so good to be bad. Because sin has a value to it. Here, I'll share a sin I committed yesterday. I'll share it publicly, all right? So you could all Facebook it and share it with people and all that. Um, I'm in my car driving up here after I preach in Charlotte. We had a great service, a great moment. God was present. It was powerful. And I'm driving up here. And um, this just happens to me. I'm sure it happens to nobody else. But I'm driving. I'm sitting in the car. And I look at the clock. And I had to preach three times yesterday. 
I had to preach in Charlotte. And then after I preached in Charlotte, I had to drive up here and I had to preach up here at the, at the, at the prayer vigil, which was at real late at night. And then I had to preach again at midnight. So I had to preach at, I had to preach at, at 950. I'm sorry. I had to preach at six, at seven o'clock. I had to preach at 950 and I had to preach again at 1130 at night. So I'm trying to get up here and, um, I leave the service. And as soon as I leave the service yesterday, cable TV, Time Warner came into our church in Charlotte and they had gotten some samples of the sermons and they had opened up a volunteer slot. It was at 3 a.m. in the morning and they had transmitted my sermons at 3 a.m. in the morning in Time Warner cable. And it was a, it was a slot that they had, listen to this. It was just there. And they couldn't fill it up with anything. <laughs> so they threw me in. <laughs> you know, they couldn't find anything else. So they threw me in. It was me or Elmo. I don't know. Something like that. Just they had to, they had to throw somebody in there. So they put my sermon in there and somebody paid for it. Somebody paid for it. Um, so it could air for it for that time. So they, it aired during that time at 3 a.m. Well, check this out. They ran it two straight weeks and in two straight weeks from, from their, this is, it's a pro- public, um, access channel. And then from, from 12 midnight to about six in the morning, um, the, 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 it, nobody watches public TV. Okay. So, so here it is. And then at 12 midnight to three, it, nobody watches it. Well, at 3 a.m., the first time they ran it, they got a hit of 36 people watching it. And then, then they put it on the next week and it bumped up to about 79 people watching it. They, they said, let's try it one more time. So they tried it the next time and it hit 170 people watching it. So the third week, and now, now I want you to know, I have no idea this, this is airing. I didn't, I wasn't even aware of it. I knew they were in the building recording, but I didn't, and I knew they were going to set, I just didn't know what was going to happen, but they're airing it now and it's hitting and he turns to me and then the, the producer of the channel says, Hey, what if we bump it up to two o'clock? So they bumped it up to two o'clock, um, on the fourth week. Then they bumped it up to midnight. So now they called me. They want, they want to, they, 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 they showed up and they were there and he said, listen, here's the contract. Time Warner Cable wants to air you at nine, at nine PM. And I said, well, 9 p.m., I, I, I mean, we, somebody paid for the first four. I, I don't think we're interested in that. He says, no, 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 no. Now, we can't pay you, but we'll air it for free if you allow us to air it at 9, 8, at 9 p.m. We'll do it for free because we're getting – public TV doesn't get that much hits, and we're getting big hits, and we'd like to air your sermons. And I'm and the guy's sitting with me, and I'm recording, and I have to run up here. All this I'm saying is I need to run up here. But, you know, I'm sitting there, and see, if you guys think that means a lot to you, you should – know what it means to me. Why? Because before I moved to North Carolina and I was living in Puerto Rico, we had just signed a contract for airing and um, I left it all behind. And I left it. We had all the cameras. We had, we had a radio program. And I left it all behind. We had a mega church and I left it all behind to come here to start with 30 people. So now four years later, I'm sitting across from Time Warner Cable TV and they're telling me, hey, we want to air you for free. So I'm sitting there and I, and, and as I'm standing there and he's talking to me, but I know I have to go. And the guy's showing me all this equipment and he's talking to me and he's talking about public access and he's talking about, and he's just talking to me and talking. And I'm like, and I'm excited, but at the same time I'm thinking, I have to go. I have to go. So my wife stands behind me. My wife says, my wife tugs on my shirt and she says, honey, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And I'm like, I know, I know. Excuse me. I said, and he, and he picked up on it. I said, listen, excuse me. I'm so sorry, but I have to run. I have to go preach somewhere else now. I have to go back to Hickory and preach. 
but excuse me. So the guy comes and, and you know, he's really excited. He gives me a hug and I give him a hug. And my wife's, come on, come on, we got to go. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm so thankful for my wife because she's rushing me and I know I got to make it. And I'm not going to make it. It's an hour and 10 minute drive and I have to be here. And we literally have an hour and 10 minutes, sorry, an hour and 15 minutes. So we hop in the car. As soon as we hop in the car, she says, um, follow, follow Chris, follow your son. Cause my son was, he says, follow him because he's coming up here and I want us to come together. It's late at night and it's supposed to be snowing. It's safer for together. And I look at her and I said, honey, we got to go. And she says, just follow him. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. I'm going to follow him. And then we follow him. And then she says, she picks up the phone. She calls Chris. And she says, hey, Chris, you know Rita ice cream? <laughs> she goes, let's go have some Rita's ice cream. And, and I'm sitting there in the chair saying, we can't have Rita's ice cream. We got to go. She was rushing me a minute ago. And then she, you know, she, she looks at me and she goes, Rita's, 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 Rita's. And I... And, and I looked at her, and all I could think was, my wife comes before my ministry. My God comes before my wife. Is this a ministry issue? Is this a God issue? And I said, well, this is a ministry issue. And I said, okay, honey, let's go. I'm not going to get out of the car. You jump out, grab the ice cream. Please come back in, but make it quick. And she says, okay. So she sits there, and, 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 she, you know, and we make it to Rita's ice cream. She, she jumps on. She loves Rita's. And, and she goes inside, and she buys the ice cream. She comes out, and she's all happy. And she sits in the car. Five minutes really took ten. So now I'm off on a five-minute delay. So then we, we, she says, follow Chris. And when she said, follow Chris again, I said, why? And she said, follow Chris. Now, at all this, some of you, if you don't have it, you should sign up for it today. But we have what we call a phone vite. It's a phone tree, and we send out messages. And I was, I was in the car driving, sending out a massive message to all the congregation at 8.30 at night. So I'm watching the clock. I got to be here. I know I can. She's at Rita's. I'm on the phone. I'm broadcasting, so I'm following Chris. Chris goes back home because they need something from the house. He lives in Charlotte. So now I look at the clock, and he instead of coming up to Hickory, he's going backwards in the opposite direction 15 minutes. 15 minutes going and 15 minutes coming does another half hour. So now I'm half an hour, 10 minutes late. I'm not going to make it on time for my sermon up here. So at that point, I'm on the phone recording and I can't re- speak to her. And all I want to say is, where the heck we going, woman? You know, but imagine you guys. Hi, this is Pastor Carlos. Where the heck you going, woman? So we will have service at 9 a.m. It wouldn't work. So now I look at her and in despair, I start getting anguished and I'm tensing up and I'm breathing heavily. And I finish the message. I say, why are we driving towards Chris's house? Why am I following here? He goes, it's just a minute. It's just a minute. He's just going to grab something and we'll go. So he, he grabs something and then we go and we're back in the car. And when she goes up, we're driving. And she says, man, am I hungry. At this point, I, I just looked at her and I said, honey, we, I, I got to make it to Hickory. She says, it's Chick-fil-A. It's the drive through It's really quick. It won't take us more than two or three minutes. I mean, what? think about it. What can it take you? Two or three minutes? And I'm thinking in my head. Two or three minutes. I'm, I'm, an, I'm almost 40 minutes late. What are you talking about, woman? So I'm t- I grab the phone. I call Pastor Drew. I say, what time? He says, listen, let's back you up to 10. We'll put Josue ahead of you. And then, and then I say, yeah, but I got to preach three different sermons. And I got to review my notes. I'm getting old right now, guys. You guys don't see it. But I literally have to expand this iPad as big as I can. Because I don't have that great of an eyesight anymore. You know? I study with I I walk into my office. And it's funny because you guys don't see me. But I don't work glasses except when I study because I can't see anymore. So I, I need to look at my notes. I can't remember the way I used to remember any 
anymore either. So I'm, I need to, I need to look at my notes for five minutes before I get on the Bible. And I had to have to send it a week ahead of time. So production has it. So now production has it a week ahead of time. My wife is eating Chick-fil-A and I'm in the car waiting and I can't even see my Bible notes. So it's just getting to me. And I'm standing there. I'm, I'm saying, Oh Lord Jesus, help me. And then she looks at me. And she says, she says, calm down, calm down. It's, it's all going to be good. It's all going to, it's all going to be, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be good. And I'm, and I'm, I'm anxious in the car and I'm driving up and then I turn on the radio and I said, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get, but I am mad already, but I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get mad. And we're driving and we're making it somewhere by Hunterville. I turn on the radio and this song comes on. That's, it's an old song, a really old song, man. And, and, and it's, it's almost a hymn and it says, enter in the presence of the Lord with happiness. Come before him. Come before him. And I'm, and I'm listening to it and I'm like, I'm like, go in the presence. Go in the presence. Go in the presence. And all of a sudden she says, man, that's an old song. Let's just change it. Boom. And she changes it. I got, guys, I was about to lose it. I couldn't anymore and I'm driving in the car and I'm coming up and I'm driving and we're, and you know, we're driving a hickory and we're about to make it and we're about to make it a hickory. All I could think was, I can't do this. I can't do it. I gotta preach and look at me. I gotta get up on the altar and look at me. Look at the way I feel right now. Oh God, God. And you know what the sermon was about last night? Not being anxious. So at that point, I'm like, I'm like, I can't preach this. I can't. I'd be a hypocrite if I get up on the altar and preach. I mean, this sermon's for me. The sermon finished saying, turn your life around, leaving all anxiety aside. If not, you can't be godly. And I'm thinking, I can't be godly. Like, look at me. How am I going to preach this? So then I walk into the prayer vigil. And when I walk into the prayer vigil, Josue's up here and it's my shift and they have everything set up for me. And I flip it on him. And that's the great thing about my kids. My kids are just freaking awesome. They're anointed. And I, and I got up here and he's up here and he's like, and he looked at me. He's like, all right, you ready? He's like, you ready? You ready? ready? He's, he's done. He's like, he's like, he was about to say, now, Pastor Carl, he says like this. And I get up on the altar. And I go, okay, in a minute, Josue's going to preach a sermon. And so I looked at me and I, and like, he's going to preach a sermon and, 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 and he's going to bring in, it's going to be bilingual, have a seat. And in the meanwhile, let's continue to worship. So I, I just, I just surrendered at, at the altar in, in praise. I just surrendered and said, God, here I am. I surrendered it. I'll, you know, I'm going to give you all the glory. I'm going to give you all the honor. I'm not worthy. I even said it publicly. I said, I'm not worthy of preaching right now. I know my heart's not in the right place, God. So just use Josue and speak to our lives. And I brought him right back up and he came up. And by the way, if you weren't here last night, you missed it. It was crazy powerful. We were, it was, I mean, they were singing in English and Spanish simultaneously. The house was full. It was a very powerful night. But, but here, here's where I'm going at with all this where i'm going at with all this is that that i don't need to be in fornication i don't need to be in witchcraft but i could still be in sin david was in sin guys and i was in sin and i walked in here last night and i was messed up i was in sin and here's the thing the thing is that i was i wasn't crying day and night but i was very upset and here's what I want you to understand. At that moment, my wife is looking over to me, and she knows I'm upset. She knows I'm upset. A couple of minutes further down, Chris stops at McDonald's. And when he stops at McDonald's, my wife says, she says, and we're almost there, she says, pull over so we could see what's up. And I said, why is he in McDonald's? What is he doing in McDonald's? And, 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 and I'm going back in the story now. 
And, and she says, you know what? She says, what are you doing at McDonald's? She says, he's kissing McDonald's. What's the deal? It's just a stop at McDonald's. Why are you so anxious? And I, and I knew I had to preach that. So Satan was attacking me. And I turned to her and I said, McDonald's. I went, McDonald's, come on, man. You just, oh my gosh. What, what are you going to do? And that was me in the car. And when I said that, she looked at me. She says, you know what? I, I'll, I'll go in his car. You rush off to church. I go and say, no, 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 no. You're not going. You sit in the car and you stay there with me. You sit in the car. If I've waited this song, you're going to ride with me. <laughs> All I needed to say was, enjoy it too. <laughs> but I was losing it, guys. And, and here's where it goes. What I want you to understand is that you can't commit sin and expect people to see God's presence in you. He was saying that people came up to him and said, where's your God? So, so here's the first price you're going to pay. Everybody that's writing down, here's the first price you're going to pay when you sin. God is not going to be present. That's a high price to pay. God is not going to be present. The first price you're going to pay for the sins, for that flesh hit, is God is not going to be present. Here's the second one, Romans chapter 7, verse 17. In Romans chapter 7, verse 17, he says, as it is, it is no longer, this is Paul speaking, he says, when he's sinning, when he commits sin, he says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. Look, it's no longer I myself who do it, who does it, who do, who do it, but it is the sin living in me. Now stop and look at that for a second. He says that when he's sinning, it is not I who do it. So pastor, that's a cop out. Of course it's him. No, no. See, what he's saying is my spiritual being doesn't want to do this. It's my flesh. I'm out of control. Here's the second price that you're going to pay when you commit sin. You are going to lose control. When you sin, you're going to lose. It be fornication, it be adultery, it be porn, it be it be drugs, it be whatever it is. It be a a a a a a, a, a sexual immoral thought. It be anger. It be debauchery. It be procrastination. Whatever it is, when you commit the sin, number one, God's not going to walk with you in the sin, and number two, you need to understand that God that you are no longer in control. And this, not you're not in control, and God's not in control. So you have to ask yourself if you're not in control and God's not in the control who the heck's in control pastor what are you saying that Satan's controlling me well it isn't God it isn't God sending you to commit the sin the flesh in you took over and that sinful nature so the price you're paying for that sin you're committing is number one that God is not present and number two God nor you are in control you lose control and here's the worst part of it. Here, here's, here's why this, this, why this happens. Galatians chapters five, verse 17 says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Look at this. So you are not to do whatever you want. Pastor, what are you saying? The Bible's saying that not only, listen, not only does God not walk with me when I'm in sin, not only do I lose control when I'm not in sin, but the Bible says I lose my full potential to do whatever I am able to do. You lose potential. When you fall into sin, you lose your potential. I can't do the things that I want to do. I can't be that great husband. I can't be that great wife. I can't be that great son. I can't be that great athlete. I can't be that great student. I can't be that great employer. I can't be that great boss. I can't be it. Because why? Because God is not present in my sin. Because I am out of control. And Satan's gotten in control. And I have lost my full potential. 
Now that's a high price to pay for sin, man. So you took the flesh hit at the moment and you enjoyed it at the moment. Maybe doing that sin at the moment seemed correct. When I yelled, it seemed correct at the moment. It was a relief of anxiety at the moment. But the price I was paying caused me to feel that God was not present. It caused me to feel that I was out of control. And it caused me to understand that I had lost my full potential. So when you ask, man, why am I, why is my marriage not at all should be? Is it sin? Why, why, why is my, why is my business not all it should be? Is it sin? Why, why can't I be that person that God called me to be? Is it sin? That's my question. Now you may say, you may turn to me and say, Pastor, but wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor, wait a minute. What about grace? You said that the price was paid for sin. I'm no longer a slave of sin. So if grace is in effect, why would you say that God's not with me when the Bible says that I could approach his throne and that God is always with me? Why would you say that? God is with you for salvation. And he forgave your sins. He forgives you and he redeems you once and forever for salvation. There's no doubt about that. But there's still the consequence of your sins here on earth. You're still going to feel it. I I didn't lose my eternal salvation because I got mad at my wife. (laughs) What type of God would that be? But I will tell you something. If God was in the car at that point, he says, son, I see you in heaven. He dropped out of the car. See, we don't like that part. Nobody wants to hear that. This is a sermon that nobody likes, but I have a point with this. See, I'm in the car. God's with me. He's holding on to me. He's anointing me. He's going to prepare me for the sermon. I act that way, and automatically God says, I can't hang out with you. God says, you know what? You're out of control. You're not letting me control your life. And you know what? I'm not going to let you execute your full potential. I got to let you go. So he lets me go. Now, if I die, I'm still going to heaven. Why? Because he redeemed me from all my sins for salvation. But here on earth, my body and my flesh are afflicting, and I listen to the flesh. So now I have a consequence of the listening to my flesh and i lost my full potential here let me tell you why this is so important now this this wasn't part of the sermon but i finished the sermon here i'm done let me let me recap it for those that are jotting down number one the price of price sin has a price right sin has a price number one the price is god is not present when you're in sin number two god nor you are in control when you're in sin and number three you will lose your full supernatural potential when you're in sin i'm gonna repeat it again number one god isn't present when you're in sin number two you are not in control nor god is in control number three you will lose your full potential you will lose that chance to max out under the supernatural anointing of god now now that's all true but check this out this morning I woke up really early, and when I woke up really early, God gave me a Bible verse for you folks. I'm going to give it to you. Now, this, this, is, this is extra. It has nothing to do with my sermon, but it's going to tie in, and it's so beautiful. Listen to this. Jesus told them another parable, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 and 25. Jesus told them another powerful, another parable. This, this is very powerful. Listen. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. This is what God whispered to my ear. He, he whispered these five words to my ear for whoever they are. I don't know who it is. I don't know if you're listening. I don't know if it's online. I don't know if you stayed home today because of the situation of the weather. I don't know if you made it to church. I don't, but listen, listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen, 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 listen. This is what he whispered to me. And this is for somebody out there. Somebody needs this word. Verse 25. But while everyone was sleeping. I'm going to repeat that. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping. 
His enemy came, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the weed and went away. I, this resonated in my mind this morning because God whispered to me. I said, God, what do you want to tell your people? And God literally said, but while everyone is sleeping. And I was like that. I was praying. I was down on my knees and God said, tell my people while everyone is sleeping, the enemy comes. The reason you got to be careful and you can't take this lightly, the reason you can't take any of this lightly is not because, not because you can't walk a day and, 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 and people will look at you and not see God, not because sometimes we don't lose control because we do, but more of anything, it's because of this. It's because God made you with a sovereign, listen, I'm speaking to you, God made you with a sovereign purpose of greatness inside of you and you will fall short from that sovereign Godness purpose, purpose. You will fall short from Him. Because the problem, the reason you fall short from it is because when you fall asleep, the enemy shows up. Here, I'll give you what he told me. He took me to, to spiritual warfare verse. The, the best spiritual warfare text in the whole Bible. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. He's saying, he's saying, he's saying our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against demons, against this, against that, against that. That's what he says, right? He says, we have, we have spiritual warfare. Look what he says in verse 17. He says, take the helmet of salvation. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now watch me, watch me. He says, take the helmet of salvation. Pastor, what does that mean? The Bible saying, listen, whoever this is for, protect that head of yours. Protect your head. The thoughts that are coming to your head and the things that you're allowing in your head are killing you. In this worldly flesh, there will be moments that, I'm just speaking, you do not feel the presence of God. There will be moments in this world that you'll feel you're out of control. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I know I'm speaking to myself. I'm going to repeat that just for me. There will be moments in your life that you don't feel the presence. There will be moments in your life that you feel you don't have control. And there will be moments in your life that you know you're not living in that supernatural anointing of God be careful and watch your head because satan works with the mind he works with it he, he he gets in your head and he's messing you up to not be what god called you to be you got to watch your head and when does he attack pastor when you're not paying attention when you're falling asleep when you think this is lightly when you take that flesh hit you're gonna pay a really big price because you fall asleep you walk in drunkenness and you're not paying attention you are unfocused from what god called you to do but you were not made in mistakes you were not made in error you were not made to live a life of condemnation you were not made to live a life of lostness you have something that can't be taken away from you and it's when you surrender and give your life to jesus christ you have salvation so put on the helmet of salvation and say man i may be messed up i may sometimes not feel the presence of god i may sometimes Sometimes lose control i may sometimes not live in my full potential but i have the helmet of salvation i have a god who loves me and wants me so i gotta get it right i can't fall asleep i gotta live in everything that god called me to live in my full potential will you please close your eyes and bow your heads and with your eyes closed and your heads bowed here's my challenge to you today here's my challenge to you today 
Will you today take care of your spiritual life? Are you paying a high price for that sin? Are you? Are you paying a high price for that sin? Here I go. Three questions. Are you ready? Close your eyes. Listen to this. Number one, do you feel God is present right now in your life? Number two, do you feel you're losing control in some areas? Number three, are you walking the full potential, supernatural potential that God has for you? Which sin is holding you back? Which circumstance is holding you back? Don't fall asleep. Put on the helmet of salvation right now. Father, I pray that right now, Lord, you allow us, Lord, to walk out of this room and be ready to live the life that you called us to live, God. We allow sin to walk into our lives and we mess up so easy, God. We mess up so easy. We unfocus. We walk away from what you called us to do. Listen, I don't know what sin you've committed, but it, it's going to take a high price. You listening to me? Your sin is paying a high price. That flesh hit is paying a high price, guys. That's a high price to pay. You're losing. You're losing. God called you for supernatural anointing. <laughs> I wish you could receive that. God called you. Are you listening? God called you for supernatural anointing. And you're losing that potential and you're letting it slip away because of those sins in your life. If I were you, right there where you are, I'd say, God, forgive me. You'd put on the helmet of salvation and say, I am redeemed. So let me walk as the redeemed shall. In the name above all names, in the name of Jesus, I pray. And I lift up this congregation to you. Amen. Amen. Did anybody get a word? If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so by going to ichurchoka.com slash give. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that you have a blessed week.